Hey, Gateway Central and, uh, and Gateway South, Gateway Branson, those of you joining us on the internet, we are so glad that you're here with us today. And today we are starting a new series, Oh, the Places You Will Go. Yes, it's a Dr. Seuss book. If you don't remember, in fact, probably some of you who are graduating from UT down at Gateway Central or, or up here north or south, uh, you might have gotten this for a graduation present. Uh, because it, is, it was actually the number two best-selling book uh, for, for graduation presents for kids. And, it's, and it starts off like this. It says, congratulations, today is your day. You're off to great places. You're off and away. You have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. It's a kid's book, or it's a book for recent graduates but it's really about the adventure of life, the highs and the lows and the challenges when you go and oh, the places you will go. But have you ever thought about how life with God is meant to be an adventure? And that's actually what this series is about. When God calls us to follow him, he doesn't call us to comfort or convenience. He calls us to take risk. He, he calls us into a life of adventure with himself. He calls us to leave, to go, to follow him beyond what is simply comfortable. But when we do, life gets way more exciting than, than you've ever imagined before. You know, and, and it's not just for, you know, the, the adventuresome type. It's not just for, you know, the hang gliding, parachute packing, bungee jumping, free basing, speed freak types. This life of adventure is for all of us, everyone who calls himself a Christ follower. Jesus says, follow me. And, and he's, not, he's not saying, follow me into convenience or comfort. When we follow, we have to go. We have to leave where we are now in order to go somewhere together. And usually, that somewhere isn't, you know, Jesus saying, follow me into the living room. And plop yourself down on that comfy couch and let's watch reality TV for the rest of our, your life together. No, God calls us to excitement and risk and adventure, and in it, we go together. We get to know God. And that's been my experience. You know, honestly, if you had told me when I was sitting in my office as a single nerdy engineer, uh, you know, and, 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 and sitting there, uh, and you got to understand, first of all, I, I was scared to death of public speaking at that time. Um, I was a horrible writer. I was semi-introverted, uh, you know, and, and, I, and I wanted to just have my comfort and success. And if you had told me at that time that one day you're going to meet and marry this gorgeous, godly, smart woman, and you guys are going to follow God into the adventure of a lifetime, you're going to move to Russia for a year you're going to end up starting a church to reach people who are skeptical, you know, like you were, and see thousands of people find faith. You're going to one day write a New York Times best-selling book, and you're going to speak to 200,000 people in 27 countries. You're going to see God do things and take you places that will blow your mind. And if you had told me that, I would have laughed you out of the office. I'm serious. And yet that is exactly the adventure that God has led me and Kathy on over the last 30 years. We have seen God's love and kindness and power and guidance, and it's been unbelievable. And you don't want to miss it. But you'll never know until you go. 
And so let's talk about the places you'll go if you're truly willing to follow Jesus. Today we're going to look at a man and a woman who learned how faith works. Abraham and Sarah. And it's found in Hebrews chapter 11, their story. But it starts off, without faith, it's impossible to please God. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Why? Well, because faith is just another word for trust. Believe, faith, trust are the same thing. And trust is what every relationship or every friendship is built on. Abraham, it says in in James 2.23, believed God or had faith in God. And it was credited to him as righteousness and He was called God's friend. See, faith is what set him right with God. That's what starts our relationship with God. But faith also is how he grew to be called a friend of God. I mean, think about that. Think about God calling you his friend. That's what what God said through Isaiah. He said, but you, Israel, you descendants of Abraham, my friend. And it was walking with God by faith that earned Abraham the title friend of God. Now, can you imagine that? Can you imagine the ruler of the universe saying, you know, this is is Sally, my friend. This is Ben, my friend. This is Mike, my friend. That's what God wants to call you as well. But we have to learn what Abraham and Sarah learned. And they learned this, that tests plus trust plus time is what equals friendship with God. In other words, if you let your tests be opportunities to trust God, he's going to lead you and take you on an adventure of a lifetime. And in time, you're going to get to know God personally in a very personal way. And you'll see how good he is. So let's look at the three tests that that were before Abraham and Sarah and see how you can follow him into those same tests on the adventure of faith. The first test is a comfort test. Will I step out of my comfort zone? Will I step out of my comfort zone? So it goes on in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, and says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking for a city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. All right, now let me give you a little background so you understand the story. Abraham and Sarah are living in the city of Ur in Mesopotamia in about 2000 BC, okay? Interestingly, skeptics for many years said Ur is just a made-up Bible myth. There is no such thing until archaeologists found Ur in modern-day Iraq. And they discovered it was a huge city. It was like a metropolitan city of that day. It was like a modern-day London or or Los Angeles. Had all the modern-day conveniences, large temples, belly dancers, five-speed camels, McBagels, fast food restaurant. They found it all there. And and Abe and Sarah were doing well. They were like living in the high-rise downtown Austin life, right? And, And they are comfortable. They're doing well when God asks them, I want you to leave your comfort zone, and I want you to trust me. Now, if you read in Genesis 12, it picks up on this story, and it says that God promised Abraham and Sarah four things, that they would step out of their comfort zone in faith. He promised to give them a land, which would be the land of Israel, a nation, which would be the Jewish nation, uh, and the Arab nations, both came from Abraham and Sarah, uh, or from Abraham, a name, 
And we're talking about him today, aren't we? <laughs> and a blessing, a blessing to every nation. And we talked several weeks ago about how God created the Jewish nation through Abraham and Sarah to bless all the nations, one, by preserving his word over the years through the prophets and by through him sending Jesus who would bless all the nations by providing a way for everyone to turn back in faith and be made right with God, to be forgiven and made right by faith. And so God says to Abraham, I want you to go to this land I will show you. He was going not knowing. The only map that, that Abraham had was God's promise to somehow mystically guide him. He was going not knowing. And you know, I, I find the same thing, that, that God often asks us to step out beyond what's comfortable. Because when we get comfortable, you know, we get our little area of security that we know and that we feel like we can control, and, and we become self-reliant. And when that happens, we got it. So we don't really need God. We don't really need to trust or rely on God at all, so we never get to know Him. And, and so He asks us to step beyond what's comfortable, kind of like for a speaker, you know, like right here, this is comfortable, you know, right around here where I can see my notes is comfortable. And yet, God asks us to step beyond, outside of what's comfortable, where we have to trust Him. But when we start to go into territory that's not comfortable, <laughs> we don't really know where we're going. We don't know how the future's going to go. And in verse 8, it says that, right? It, it, it says that when you step out, Abraham felt like an alien, like a stranger. It feels like foreign territory. It's weird, right? And not, not like you know, South Austin weird, like keep Austin weird, not that weird. Weird like this does not feel familiar. It's uncomfortable. And, and, uh, and when that happens, you know, the first thing you want to do is run. Run back to where you're safe. Run back to what's comfortable. But if you do, you'll miss out on the opportunity to know God. You'll miss out on the opportunity to trust and get to know him as he takes you on the adventure of a lifetime. You know, where maybe is God asking you to step out of what's comfortable? I remember the very first time I, I did this. It was when I graduated from the University of Texas. My faith was really new. And um, I was interviewing, you know, all over the country. And I got an offer in Houston. And Houston's where I grew up. I had lots of friends there. It was, it was comfortable. And not only that, uh, the vice president of Shell in Houston was one of my high school friend's dads, and he knew me, and he wanted me to come to work for him. It was a career path set, you know, set for me. And yet, as I prayed and prayed uh, about all the opportunities, I felt less and less like I was supposed to go to Houston where it was comfortable, and instead I was supposed to take a job in, with Chevron in Ventura, California, where I knew no one. That was not comfortable at all. And yet, the more I prayed the more I, I sensed, not this, go here. Now you say, well, how did you know? Well, every time I have a big decision uh, of faith like this, I, I begin by just praying. God, I want your will, not just mine. You know, I, I, want, to, I want to desire your will. And, and I pray for sometimes months, you know, over big decisions. And, and then you test. Am I really willing to do God's will, or do I just want what I want? And you got, you got to test that. It's not always easy. But you know what it says in, in Psalm 37, 4? It says this, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. 
Now, that doesn't mean if I'm happy about God, he'll give me that Lamborghini I've always desired. Okay, that's not what that means. It means if you're really, if, if God is your first priority and his will, even before your will, then you can trust what's in your heart. Because more and more, he's putting his desires in your heart. And so the more I prayed, the more I, I realized, even though this would be comfortable in a career slam dunk, this is more what I'm sensing that I'm supposed to do, even though it was scary. And so off I went, I moved to California, and everything turned out happily ever after. <laughs> no. No, I was miserable for six months. I, I, I didn't have any friends. I didn't know anybody. And I kept praying, God, lead me to some friends. F help me find a church here in Ventura, you know. And I went to churches, and the, no, I, I, I didn't meet anybody. There was no one my age. I, 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 and, and after six months, I mean, I was miserable. I bought a TV just to hear human voices, okay. And, and, and I got to a point after six months where I was about to go back to the bars to meet people, you know, and back to, to an old lifestyle. And, and I just desperately said, God, you've got to bring people around me who will help me in this spiritual growth. One month later, I get a call from the only person I, I knew in California who, ironically, I had met taking another step of faith when I went on a, on a go team like mission project to Russia the summer before. And he said... Hey, I just lost my roommate. I heard you had moved to California. Would you want to consider rooming with me? Seemed like an answer, only he lived an hour away in Santa Barbara. I didn't, you know, that wasn't the plan, to make an hour commute. <laughs> and, and, and so I, you know, I, I sat there and prayed, and I thought, okay, well, I'll just, I'll test it out. So I went up and just stayed with Dave one weekend. I went to his church. I meet all these people my age. We go hiking in the mountains. I could tell they'd be good for me spiritually. It was like God was answering my prayer, but it was not within my commuting comfort. <laughs> and so I'm driving, making the commute, you know, just trying it that Monday morning. And, and I'm talking to God. I'm, I'm like, yeah, I mean, thank you, I guess. You kind of answered my prayer, but, but like, this is not what I meant. And, you know, I mean, I don't even know if I can afford the gas. It's an hour commute each way. I'll have to get up at 5 a.m. I'm, you know, like that. And, and, and I said, I mean, you know, gosh, Lord, I mean, maybe if there was a carpool or something, but how likely is that? I get to work. I meet a guy I hadn't met, introduce each other. He said, how, how was the weather here in Ventura this weekend? I said, well, I was in Santa Barbara. He goes, oh, me too. I live in Santa Barbara. I said, you live in Santa Barbara? You commute. Yeah. Uh, he says, I have a carpool with several other people. <laughs> I said, really? I'm thinking about moving to Santa Barbara. Could I carpool with you? And he said, well, it's full, but two months from now, a guy is leaving. Maybe you can. And I did for the next few years. Now, maybe you're going, uh, coincidence. But I'm telling you, I have journaled 30 years of coincidences like that. I could tell you more coincidences than your butt could handle right now, okay? But if you want to know God, you have to step out of what's comfortable in faith to trust him. And then you'll look back and you'll see that he really was guiding you and you'll get to know him and you'll lead the adventure of a lifetime. So maybe right now you're here and you don't believe yet. You're not sure what you believe. Great. Take a step of faith. And here's the step of faith. Just say, okay, God, I will seek genuinely. Like, I'll really make time. I'll come every week 
to church. I'll start reading about Jesus in the New Testament. You know, I'll start doing that and start praying every night and pray this. God, if you're real, open my eyes to see. And just see what he does. Or if you're a Christ follower, maybe he's asking you to take a step out of, of what's comfortable with your career toward a new one. I don't know. Maybe he's asking you to step away from a bad relationship or friends that, that are keeping you from, from growing with him. Maybe he's asking you to step into serving, to get connected around here and serve others. Or, or get involved in a life group. Or maybe it's step out of what's comfortable and make a hard decision that you know will be good for your family. Or maybe it's to step into leading, leading a life group or leading a serving team. All I know for sure is God wants to stretch that faith muscle. Because tests plus trust plus time, that equals friendship with God. Now sometimes God isn't asking us to step out like this. He's actually asking us to stay put and wait in trust. And that's even harder, isn't it? So the second test is the patience test. Will I wait on God's timing? Hebrews 11 goes on in verse 11. By faith Abraham, even though he was past age, and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. See, God had promised Abraham and Sarah a land, a name, a nation, and a blessing. The only problem with the nation promise is that Sarah was barren. And Abraham was 75 years old when he left Ur. Not exactly your most fertile years, right? You know, and, and I love the way the scriptures put it, is, is that he was, he was past age and as good as dead. <laughs> and, and, and not only that, it would be 4,000 years before Viagra's invented. So what hope did he have? I mean, right? I'm not going to say it. I had, I had such a good one. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, where was I? <laughs> so, so he steps out. They go to the promised land. They're trusting and believing God. And they get there. And they wait. And they wait. And ten years later, still no child. Now, imagine that. And so they get impatient. And they decide, maybe we need to help God out. So Abraham has sex with Hagar, Sarah's maid. And has a son, Ishmael. And then the jealousy and the infighting, it begins and it doesn't end. And, and here's what you have to know as well. That when we take a step outside of, of what God's will is, because we get impatient, we're not willing to trust by waiting. You know, we take things into our own hands and we do it our way to get what we think we want the way we want. It always hurts us, but also those around us and those who come after us. And this is what Abraham and Sarah had to learn. And maybe because of that, there was another 13 years after Ishmael was born before Abraham heard from God again. And then again, he said, you will have a son next year, and Isaac was born. Now, sometimes God tests our faith by making us wait on him. And why would he do this? Just to be mean? No. No, it's about relationship. He told Moses and the Israelites why they had to wait and trust him in the desert. He said it was to humble and test you in order to know what's in your heart. Do you love me? Whether or not you would keep my commands. We love God by doing what he says. It's about relationship. Test plus trust plus time equals relationship 
with God. We get to know God that way. So when God gives us a promise in Scripture, sometimes he, he tests us, will we wait and trust what he says? Or are we going to go outside his will to help him out in getting what we think he's promised? What are the areas of your life where you're having to wait right now? Maybe you've already taken a shortcut. Have you realized yet it doesn't get you what you really wanted? And have you realized God wants to give you what your heart really desires, but it doesn't come by taking shortcuts? Maybe you've been struggling financially and you've been tempted to take ethical or moral shortcuts to, to solve your financial problem. This is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to go to God and trust him and ask him and take that next step of faith and see him provide in his timing. Or maybe you've been waiting for that right person and God has been asking you to trust him. You know, not to just put a sexual band-aid on your loneliness. Not to just jump from one bad relationship to another out of insecurity. This is an opportunity to really get to know God by going to him for security and trust. Trusting him even with the timing. You know, Kathleen uh, had, had been waiting and waiting on God in this area. She's a single woman uh, she's a leader uh, here at our church now. Um, and when we were doing the Soul Revolution experiment, which Soul Revolution is a, is a book that I wrote about how to walk by faith. And so we're in this experiment of walking by faith. And she's out jogging one day and she's talking to God. She's trying to stay connected. And she's talking to him about, you know, her heart and her desires. And, and she said, I, I, I prayed, God, give me somebody to live my life with. And she said, what I really meant was a husband. But the thought that came back was, do you trust me? And she said as she jogged and kept asking, she kept getting this question. Do I trust God to do that or do I want to power through on my own effort? If his answer to get me there is different than the path I would take, will I take it? And she said it was confusing, but finally she, she, she said, okay, God, I'll trust you. The next thought she said was, adopt children, which threw her into a panic. She had no plans to adopt children. And she spent several days asking God, was that thought really from you or was that just a crazy thought? Because that's crazy. And can I say no? <laughs> and, 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 you know, what if I don't want to adopt? And, and, you know, that's not what I meant, God, by give me someone to live with. <laughs> and so she's wrestling with God. And she said for two or three months she wrestled with God and, uh, about could that really be what he was saying? And, and, you know, friends would say, well, who knows? Maybe if you do that, maybe it'll help you meet guys. I don't know. And she said, well, they're not puppies, they're children. <laughs> Usually children with childlike behavioral challenges, right? But three months later, as an act of faith, she went to an adoption agency. And she had this incredible peace come over as she talked about it. And nine months from the day of that prompting jogging, she had two little boys out of the foster system. Two boys who at two and, you know, four you know, we're struggling not having someone to love them and care for them. And so she took them in and loved them and cared. And she said, you guys were the reason she could do that. That this community rallied around her and helped her, you know, quickly grow up as, as, a, as a single mom. And, um, you know, she, she, several, the year after that, both those boys came to faith and got baptized here. One of them was in one of our Christmas musicals. You probably remember the cute little kid in the red pajamas if you were here. You know, and they were growing and so much was happening. And then a man with four kids joined her life group. 
and his four kids were the age of her two kids, and they, they made friends, and they started playing together, and so the families kept getting together more and more, and before you know it, the mom and dad started seeing each other more and more, and a year later, David proposed to Kathleen in the life group, and they were married, and Kathleen said, I have not been lonely since. She's prayed for loneliness. <laughs> Be careful what you pray for. <laughs> but you know, it's easy to see God's plan looking back. It's hard to see, and it's scary when we have to wait or trust and move forward. Will you trust his word and his timing? Test plus trust plus time equals friendship with God. And in time, you get to experience his goodness. Are you becoming impatient over a certain situation right now? Is there some place where you're tempted to go outside of what you know is God's will? Don't miss the opportunity to stretch that muscle of faith and grow on the adventure of a lifetime and in the knowledge of the God who loves you more than you can possibly know. Well, the last test is the hardest. Sometimes God asks us not to step out of our comfort zone or to wait, but to let go. The last test is the allegiance test. Will I let go? In Hebrews eleven seventeen says, By faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, It's through Isaac that your offspring will come or will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Now, you got to understand, so God promises, I'm going to bless all the nations on earth through you and this son, Isaac, okay? And then God, one day, after many, many years of little baby steps of faith, right? Baby steps, Bob. You know, Abraham taking these baby steps, God gives him the mother of all tests. And he says, okay, now, I want you to take this son I've given you that you love and let him go. Offer him up to me. Now, here's the weird thing. Abraham didn't really seem to flinch, even though it must have been confusing because God forbids human sacrifice. He says he detests it. And yet, look at what it says. It says that Abraham's faith had grown so strong, he knew God. He knew God had promised his descendants would come through Isaac, so he knew even if he went through it, God would give him back. He would raise him from the dead. Now, that's the kind of peace and assurance you get when you walk with God. The places you go, the things you see, but you get to know God and how much you can trust him. Now, let me just help you understand before you freak out about this, that this test of Abraham was a type. It was a foreshadowing. It was a prophetic foreshadowing of what God would do. And we see that in what it says in Genesis 22. Because in Genesis 22, God says to Abraham, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. On the third day, so three days away, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there. We will worship, look at this, and we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. 
The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. God will provide. So look at this. God sends Abraham three days' journey to the region of Moriah, to a specific mountain the Lord would show him. Mount Moriah is where Jerusalem would be built a thousand years later. Isn't that amazing? God led him up Golgotha outside Jerusalem before Jerusalem was there. And there Abraham puts the wood on his son, and Isaac carries the wood on which he's going to be sacrificed up the hill. Sound familiar? 2,000 years later, Jesus would carry the wood on which he's going to be sacrificed up that same hill. And as horrible as the whole test seems, what God did not have Isaac go through with, God himself went through with. He offered his own son as a sacrifice to pay for your sins and mine and the sins of the whole world that we might be made right with God by faith and walk with God by faith. Why can we trust God and let go of everything that we hold to for security, that we're tempted to make God and, you know, make it the most important thing? Why can we trust him and let it go? Because he let go of everything for us. He laid it all down for us. Sometimes God asks us to let go of something that we're tempted to love more than God, that we're tempted to hold on to and make a God, like it's the most important thing. And, and the reason he asks us to let it go is when our fist is tight clenched around something, he can't give us anything else. But when we hold it in an open hand, he can give us even more. He doesn't want to take good things from us. He wants to give us more good things. But we have to trust and let it go. You know, when Kathy and I were living in Chicago, um, I was headed to a retreat with a friend who asked me, how long will you live in Chicago? And I said to him, I don't know. Uh, all I know is God clearly led us here. And when he says it's time, uh, I will follow. But I know I'll be here through the year 2000. That was 1997. And as I've told some of you before, that day in worship, I got the clearest it's time that I've ever gotten. Never before and never since. <laughs> but in that moment, it wasn't just two words, it's time. It was like God reminded me of every memory of when Kathy and I had stepped out in faith and trusted him and what had happened and how he had come through and how grateful I was again and again and again. And it's time to do it again. And so I went home and I, and I told Kathy and we began to pray. You know, and we began to search, you know, are we willing to do his will fully and what's in our hearts? And, and what was in our hearts was this desire to see the church help people like me, this generation who didn't know God loved them or cared about them. And I, you know, I was so skeptical and, and, and I wanted to see a church that would open its arms to everybody and help them have a path and a way to, to wrestle through those doubts and struggles. And that was one thing in our hearts. The other thing that was in my heart was Santa Barbara. I loved Santa Barbara. Actually, I kind of idolized Santa Barbara, if I'd be honest. I wanted so badly to move back to Santa Barbara. And so we pray for two weeks, and then, believe it or not, we got a phone call from a church in Santa Barbara that we used to be a part of saying, would you come candidate to be our lead pastor? 
we were blown away. We were like, oh my gosh, God's giving us this desire of our hearts. And yet something didn't quite feel right. Because it was a very traditional church, they weren't reaching anybody, especially not my generation. And so we were conflicted, but we decided to go and just tell them. And we went and we interviewed and I told them what was in my heart. And I said, is that what's in your heart? And they pretty much said, not really. (laughs) And so Kathy and I stood on our favorite beach and we wept. Because we realized God was saying, you think you want a place here? Here it is. So that we could let go and open up and say, no, God, we don't just want a place. We want your will. We want all your desire for us. And we offered it back to him. And then we went back to Chicago. And then, (laughs) I'm not kidding, for the next two months, Austin, 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 Austin. And he led us to Austin. And it was just me and Kathy, Ted and Stephanie, Charles and Raquel. And with that small group, we started Gateway. And not only did he give me a great city to live in, but he gave me a spiritual family like I could never have imagined. He let me see through you guys the power and the mercy and the love of God. Like, I have, it, it's blown me away. He's opened so many doors and led me on so many journeys and me and Kathy and our family and blessed us in so many ways. And you know what? Just to put a cherry on top of his goodness, you know what he did? The year we moved to Austin, some friends of ours in Santa Barbara called us. And, and they were older than we were. We used to babysit their kids. He had this insurance company that was just going gangbusters. So they built a custom home on the beach in Santa Barbara down the street from Oprah. And he said, they said, our dog Jenny is getting old and we're going on vacation. Would your family come and watch our dog for us? Maybe. <laughs> and just about every year that my kids grew up, They got to vacation there in Santa Barbara where we could never afford. Is God good? Yes, he's good. Is there something that God is asking you to let go of? And yeah, it feels scary because you don't know how it's going to go or how it's going to work out. But if you will, He will lead you on the adventure of a lifetime. What's your next step of trusting him? Test plus trust plus time equals friendship with God.